You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. With the high cost of recent wildfires, storms, and flooding, insurance companies have been dropping customers in those high-risk areas. What can you do if you can't get covered, or if you are covered, how can you make sure you're going to get your payout when you need it? I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today, Amy Bach, has been a professional insurance consumer advocate since 1985 and an attorney since 1989. She co-founded United Policyholders in 1991 and serves as the organization's executive director and primary spokesperson. And she's here with us today on The Real Wealth Show. Welcome back, Amy. Great to have you here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Kathy. Thank you. Insurance is a huge issue these days, both for real estate investors and homeowners in general. Uh, we know that it's getting harder and harder to get insurance and to get fully covered. So are you seeing any relief coming for uh, homeowners or investors looking for looking to be covered? Well, we hear rumors, you know, I had heard that one of the insurers was getting ready to jump back in and uh, but they didn't want to make a formal announcement because there there's been so little new options that they were afraid they would get slammed with applications. Um, I've gotten a few solicitations from uh, an Allstate agent in LA who um, told me that that he was going to break off and 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 represent a new um, sort of an Allstate subsidiary. Um, but I haven't seen anything concrete come across my desk. So um, the the news is still coming in bad. Um, you know, just this week, Kemper, you know, announced that they were pulling out and that um, it's small, a couple of small companies, but still. Um, so not yet. No, not yet. So really where we are um, is just helping people deal with with the way things are right now. Okay. So um, is it across the board, across the nation that it's hard to get insurance or just in certain areas like fire prone California or Florida with the hurricanes? So um, the, the areas that are struggling the most um, are the wildland urban interface areas in California and suburban areas in California, the whole, practically all the coastal areas in Florida, coastal areas in Louisiana, um, mountain areas in Colorado where there have been wildfires. Um, but we are hearing um, from people in lots of other states, Minnesota, New York, um, Oregon, that um, that there are fewer options and that prices are higher. I think prices, home insurance and business insurance premiums are up across the board all across the country. And as long as we continue to see storms, um, that's probably not going to subside. I think that it's, it's just as much tied to inflation um, and to... Um, and to technology as it is to climate change and severe weather events. Oh, what do you mean by that? I mean, uh, I mean, obviously I think, inflation, prices going up, but right. are there costs right. going up or the cost to rebuild is going up? And it's, it's the, it's the costs of repairing damaged cars, repairing damaged homes, you know, repairing damaged buildings, you know, material costs, labor costs are all up and have been. Um, since, you know, COVID supply chain interruption started to be a thing. Um, and I think, you know, we haven't really quite been able to 
to, I mean, we've got, we've got some movement in, in the financial markets that's positive. Um, but then technology, you know, back in, in sort of for, 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 since we, insurance was a, was a thing, um, insurers have relied on a lot of sort of basic tools, um, an application that the, you know, that the consumer fills out and, um, they, you know, their credit score and um, historical information about their property and that sort of thing. Um, and that's a lot of how insurance companies decided who they would sell to and who they wouldn't. And then, of course, you know, their actuaries decide how much they should price it at. Um, but then then we started getting drone imagery and, and AI and uh, algorithm, predictive, you know, algorithms for, for risk. And insurers started to rely less on the human evaluation of other humans of, you know, oh, somebody walks in the door to your insurance agency and you evaluate whether or not, you know, they're a good risk. Like that's completely out the door now. Um, and it's very mo much more mechanical, right? So what's this, what is this applicant's risk score? And then when you apply this algorithm, you know, what does it tell you about the likelihood that they would file a claim? Um, and then the drone imagery, oh my God, look at their wood pile next to their propane tank, right? So all those things combined have made insurers be, um, see risk in a different way than they had, and they don't like what they see. <laughs> so an insurance company can just drop people. Well, that, that's the way it is it, with, you know, the only rules here in California are um, they have to give you 75 days notice before they, if they're not going to offer you a renewal policy. So people say, I've been with this company for 50 years. I never made a claim and now they're dropping me. I don't understand. That's their right. As long as they give you the notice and they're not discriminated against you on the basis of your skin color, or, you know, ethnicity, right? Um, as long as it's in keeping with their own internal guidelines, it's their, it's, you know, it's, it, it's at their option. And, you know, my organization went into the legislature some years back to try to, to change that, to make it a little harder for insurers to, to drop customers. Um, and the pushback we got was so intense that I, you know, that's kind of, it really was eye opening for me, right. That there's, not a lot of, of, of will in sac, excuse me, there's not a lot of will in Sacramento. In fact, now and there's even less will to, to, to try to make insurers do things they don't want to do. <laughs> and there ever has been, because there's a fear, right? There, a lot of the lawmakers are afraid. They don't want to make a bad situation worse. Um, and so things stand as things stand right now, insurers are pretty much free to pick and choose, you know, who they want to insure and don't want to insure. So how does the, I guess, the public sector offer insurance? I, I don't, I don't think it actually is the public sector, but let's, let's take the California fair plan. How, how does that work? Are they still working with the private insurance companies or is it publicly funded? No, it's, it's all private insurance companies. So we don't have a like taxpayer funded or a, um, you know, taxpayer funded insurer of last resort. We have an insurer funded insurer of last resort. So the California Fair Plan, which is very, very important more than ever today, um, 
is is made up of it's it's actually an association it's not an insurance company it's an association made up of insurance companies and and to correct myself earlier there is actually um some law in California that forces insurance companies to take risks they otherwise would not want and mm-hmm. that's the fair plan that's that is if you want to do business in this state and you're admitted which is a fully regulated licensed type of insurance company, you have to participate in the fair plan. So you have to contribute your resources to the fair plan in proportion to your market share in the voluntary market. So for the, you know, if you're state farm and you have a fifth of the market, which is what they have, right. They insure one of out of every five homes in California. They also have a 20% responsibility with regard to the fair plans liability. So so we have this this situation where it is important that we try to keep insurance companies um, happy here. Uh, <laughs> they've been saying they're not happy, um, but we do have to be building a public alternative um, because I don't see, you know, as I say, I don't see the genie going back in the bottle. Like once insurance companies have started using these tools you know, predictive analytics, algorithms, drone imagery, and scores, they're not going to stop. And those indices are always going to make us, California property owners, look risky. And so I think, you know, um, we have to be prepared to come up with an alternative so that people can have a safety net. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be a government program. It has to be government-sponsored because... Um, you know, the way things are looking right now is the private insurers are saying, you know, we just don't like the bet as much as we used to. So. Mm-hmm. And that's, and does Florida also have a similar type plan? Oh my gosh. Florida has a different <laughs> plan. Okay. Um, Florida, you know, it's a, the Republicans have a supermajority in Cal- in Florida um, and there's a very, it feels like when you watch, you know, what the legislature has been doing and what the insurance um, regulator has been doing is um, they're diehard believers in free market competition. And, you know, and I think there's this conviction that um, th- they do have a state run program, but I think there's this conviction that um, government should never be the solution. Right. It should yeah. always be private industry. So they're, um, you know, so they're basically looking the other way and letting some really questionable insurance companies do business in that state um, because of this philosophy that, you know, that government should never try to. Not, try not to- too many regulations. Yeah. Uh, so when you say questionable. <laughs> Does that mean they're not going to pay out or what what does that mean? That, yeah, that means that That you're paying for nothing. (laughs) That, that means that they're, um, you know, the quality of their products are not what they should be. And the quality of their claim handling is not what it should be. But more importantly, their, their financial capacity, their solvency, and you know, that they, um, you know, a number of these companies, um, you know, they're, they look at it as an opportunity to, to collect premium, but it's not just about that, right? I mean, you know, that's it's got to get something for your money. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so with that, we have a lot of listeners who do own property in Florida. We 
also do. What should we be looking for in those policies to hopefully pick the best company? Well, um, there's a new rating agency in Florida um, called Weiss uh, Weiss Rating Agency, and they one of the issues is that Demotech was a rating agency. Um, a lot of people feel like Demotech was kind of um, giving a A rating to companies that did not deserve it. So I would say if you if I own property in Florida, first I would find an agent that's very much on top of things. You know, find an agent that's um, that's up to speed on what's happening um, and may have some good options for you. And then, um, you know, if it's a, if if the if the insurer if the the options that you have for insuring your property are with a new company, a, a startup. Um, you definitely want to look at their their ratings with the Weiss company, and you want to um, do a little extra homework um, into their into their financial strength. Um, that's that's for and their claims paying record. You know, um, do a and you would of, find that there at what? Well, you would have to you have to look online. You know, you got to do your research. What, what do you do? Weiss, what do you look for? You you just look like um, for rating. Yeah, look at look at customer reviews. Reviews. You know, look at okay. Yelp. Look at look at customer reviews. Better Business Bureau. You know, see because I think um, you know. Sad to say, uh, the the government agencies, the state agencies. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to say, oh, well, look at the complaint ratios with the Department of Insurance for those companies and see, like, you know, do they have a good reputation? But I don't think that those ratio those indicators are going to be accurate or up to date. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'd say, you know, your good old fashioned internet research, but um, also people are, you know, carrying very high deductibles, um, which is kind of, that's what you have to do these days. But then, um, you know, ideally have a, um, have a rainy day fund that you've got to cover the amount of your deductible. Um, And then just know that, finding that savvy agent now is the most important thing because there are options, but a lot of the the options are not um, advertising retail. They're Mm -hmm. going through the channels of agents with whom they have a good relationship with, you know, agent insurance agents, brokers that the, that the insurers feel are going to bring them good customers, customers who are, um, uh, prudent and who are less likely to suffer losses. I and mean, not that being prudent has anything to do with a hurricane, you know, damaging your house. But, you know, also, um, if you have property in, in Florida, you got to be investing in mitigation. You've got to put, have roof tie downs, uh, you know, as, at a, at a very minimum. Um, and, you know, hurricane shutters and you've got to take some steps to prevent your home from being damaged in a high wind um, or water event. Because the insurance companies would also be looking at that to see if you, if, if you protected yourself. Well, that will definitely help you qualify for preferred pricing. um, But it'll also mean that your home is less likely to be damaged Mm -hmm. and there'll be less reason for you to file a claim. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really, that's the main reason. I mean, that's one of the things I've been saying lately is, we bought a new duplex in Florida, brand new, and the insurance is actually really low. So I'm assuming that's because it was really built to modern hurricane standards. That's great. That's great. And see, I, you know, I know um, 
my I'm sometimes a little bit of the like prophet of doom and gloom just because um, people don't get in touch with United Policy Auditors to say, oh, everything's going great. You know, <laughs> they get in touch with us to say something is not going well. Right. And we read all the media coverage of what's going on in Florida. And and, um, you know, we hear all these stories of really high premium. So I'm thrilled to hear um, that you were able to get, um, you know, a, a, a good price uh, for your for your investment, for insuring your investment. So what should you do in general? What should you be looking for in your policy to make sure that you will be covered? Well, the first thing is to see how much um, your dwelling itself, the structure, is insured for. So, um, and, you know, what we often tell people to do is you take the square footage of the home, um, living living space, and then you divide your the policy limit for the structure by that to see how much per square foot of living space your insurance policy would generate to pay for repairs or replacement. So is it 200 a square foot? Is it 300? Is it 400? Um, and, and then try to get a sense of what the, what construction costs per square foot are in that area. Um, again, internet research, talking to a builder in that area. Um, most parts of the country, it's going to be somewhere between 250 and 500 a square foot, just depending on where you are. And it used to be closer to 180, um, but over the years, it's crept up above 200 a square foot for sure. And most, almost everywhere you go. I mean, tract homes in Iowa is another story, right? Um so focus on making sure your dwelling is is properly insured. Um, then find out what the internal limits might be. And by that, I mean, is there a cap on what the policy will cover for mold damage? Is there a cap on what the policy will cover for water? That's Those are some of the common places where insurers have really tightened up what's covered and how much. Um, and then what's the deductible? And in Florida, you can have... You could have um, up to three separate deductibles. So you could have a deductible for like a that would apply to like a fire or theft. Then you could have another one that would apply to wind, and then you can have a third that would apply to your roof. So knowing what the deductible is 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 helpful. Uh, knowing what those internal what there may be caps. Um, and then, and then the third part is, um, is tailoring it to your, um, your assets. So for example, let's say you have really great art, a really nice art collection, you know, most standard property policies will say the most it pays is 2,500 bucks total for art, unless you schedule, right? You, you you get a rider, you you list the pieces and with some appraised value, and then you pay extra for that. Same thing goes with business and, um, equipment. These days, a lot of people working out of their home, they've got their computers, their printers. Um, most policies, again, standard, are going to say the most we pay for business equipment in a home is twenty five hundred bucks or something like that. Same thing, or a thousand bucks. So you know, if you've got you've got special stuff um, or you've got extensive business equipment, 
um, those are some of the, the things that you want to make sure that you've customized your policy to cover. And you want to uh, make sure, especially if you're in Texas or Florida or anywhere coastal, that you include named storms. Right. Because we, we've had we had one group. We haven't had too many issues with insurance um, or really any damages, but we had one couple call uh, after the big hurricane in in Texas and in Houston. Okay. But but they didn't get covered for the um, for the named storm and, wow. and they had the flooding and didn't get any payout for that. So, um, that's important too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you brought up a very good point. Um, you know, if, if you're, if there's any chance that your property could flood from a storm surge or from, um, a really heavy rainfall, then you know you want to look into getting getting a quote to get flood insurance or a rider on your policy because um again those are you know flood insurance standard home policies have excluded flood damage since the 60s so you you got to you know buy that separate if you want that so i had you on after the malibu fires because we were right in the middle of all of that although our our home was fine shockingly uh, but a lot of a lot of people in Malibu still haven't been able to rebuild. Uh, mostly older couples who just didn't really understand, like you said, the cost to rebuild yeah. uh, and and weren't ad- adequately covered. We are, of course, seeing that with the Maui fires. What's the update there? And uh, it, I think the last I heard, some people weren't insured at all. Yeah. So, um, you know, United Policyholders is on Maui working. We sent teams of folks from, we have a lot of volunteers who have been there, done that, lost a home in a wildfire in California or Colorado. Um, and when, you know, we were able to fly them out there to, to, for the first uh, couple of months. And yeah, the, the, some of the statistics are pretty sad about, um, I think 40%. are not insured at all. Oh, terrible. Right. And so um, that's a biggie. (laughs) Um, And that's, you know, then you have FEMA there. um, But, um, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's really tough because, you know, the max grant you can get from FEMA is, you know, is in in, something like, you know, 42,000, which means, you know, that you're not, that's not going to put you're not rebuilding in Hawaii. for Right. So I think there's going to be a lot of, there's certainly, I mean, the good news there's a lot of heart and soul going um, to help mm-hmm. people. There's a lot of um, philanthropic resources, you know, Oprah's over there and mm-hmm. um, there's quite a few like tech, big tech guys that have, that live there. Um, and I think, um, you know, there's a, just a tremendous amount of grassroots support for the community and the impacted households. So I have some optimism um, for the recovery, but I think, um, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take a while. And I think we'll be seeing some innovation with like, you know, resilient tiny homes, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing, you know, where we'll be seeing some innovative design concepts, of uh, very cost effective, not traditional, you know, wood frame construction. I think we'll be seeing some, probably some pretty modern looking places go up there, um, just because um, that's going to be the only option for a lot of the impacted households. What are some things you're seeing that people uh, also didn't get covered for, or if they did have insurance, they, uh, you know, they, they didn't have the right policy. 
I mean, you know, for um, the temporary rent, for example, you know, you get your bucket for your home, you know, your bucket of benefits for, for rebuilding. And then you have um, your bucket uh, for debris removal, which I'm not as worried about. I think there's a coordinated program the county is doing that I think will be um, affordable for people. Um, so what we really worry, we worry about people not having enough to rebuild, um, but then we worry about them running out of the temporary rent benefits that covers their their living expenses while they've lost the use of their home. Um, and, you know, here in California, um, before we started seeing the mega fires, it was it was common for people just to have 12 months of that benefit, right? You have the insurance company will cover your rent for a year. Um, and I guess a lot of people were able to move back in after a year, although I haven't seen much of that. Um, then we had to fight to stretch that and say, okay, no, you know, insurance policies in California have to provide at least two years and then it became three. So we have actually have a law in California that says that your insurance has to cover your temporary rent for up to three years after a wildfire. Well, they don't have that law in Hawaii. And so a lot of people there come next August are going to be, you know, not getting any additional help from their insurance to pay for their rent. So that's going to be, an, um, that'll be a, a fight. But the commissioner over there um, has already put out a, a directive saying to insurance companies, given the sadness and the magnitude of the loss, I'm calling upon you as, um, as, as good businesses to extend people's temporary rent benefits past, um, past the one year all the way to three years. So he's asked for that. That doesn't mean insurers are obligated, um, mm -hmm. but he has asked them to do that. Well, let's hope they do the right thing. All right, Amy, it's always a pleasure to have you here on The Real Wealth Show. Very, very enlightening. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kathy. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to get a referral in your area for a good insurance agent, you can just go to our website at realwealth.com. Click on the Invest tab after you join. It's free. And you'll see a drop down of different markets around the country where we have really great teams who have been working with insurance companies there for years. Again, that's realwealth.com. Thanks again for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.